0: Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Like, not know what to do. Isn't it crazy? And uh, and uh, we took a big jump, and we're like, the whole world is digital. Like, why is the church still, like, asking for paper checks? I don't even have paper checks. I haven't had since 92. And, uh, and uh, it's crazy how people have responded to giving digitally. It's crazy to think about. And uh, we're so grateful that you guys keep the ministry going, um, keep our, our outreach going, you keep our missionaries going, and that's amazing to think about. And so someday we may not ever have buckets ever again. Who knows? Wouldn't that be crazy? That'd be crazy. Um, Man. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Oh, there's one. Awesome. Yep. Better late than never. All right, we're uh, welcome to ES First, ES First, the church we believe the Bible. And uh, we believe that God has, has spoken it, it gives us wisdom for our life. And so we look into it to find out what God has to say to us. We've been on a journey since we've come back from, well, I guess since coronavirus, quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, has started. And, uh, we were going through the book of Romans, we've taken some time out to talk about, a little bit about sanctification and that process of of just us living a God kind of life in the here and now, which is really what Christianity is all about. It's about, uh, if in my opinion, if God, all he wanted to do was just save you and get you to heaven, you'd be in heaven right now. But for some reason, you're here on earth, you're treading uh, this ground for as many years as you have, and... Uh, there's a purpose and there's a plan for that. And and part of that is, is God making you more like Himself. Is it like He's trying to make you better so that when you get to heaven, it's like, wow, you did a really good job of making yourself more like Jesus. And now here's Jesus. And we're all like, wow, I really am a terrible person compared to that. Um, like, it's, it's not some kind of contest. There's a purpose for you being here. And, uh, and it is designed for your life. And oftentimes we get sidetracked by the things of life. And so uh, this process of sanctification is just not so you can become more perfect. Because it's God that makes you perfect. But it's so that you can live a God kind of life here and now. And it perpetuates itself. And we're thinking about Jesus who is, is a Middle Eastern man from um, basically the the heart of the world. Right there in Israel and, and uh, the, the Middle East and and He's one guy with 12 friends, and out of that group of people, the whole entire world has changed, and here we are, a bunch of people in America, um, worshiping in a country that was founded by people that just wanted to worship freely, uh, thousands of years later, and here we are on a Sunday after a Sunday morning, um, talking and singing about this guy, Jesus, and so what's that all about? It's that people have been perpetuating the name of Jesus, the truth about Jesus, for thousands of years. And if it were just some kind of good self-help, if we're just some kind of good, you know, feel-good thing that made us feel like we were uh, more grounded, we would just all go out and surf and stick our toes in the sand, and we would never come to church. We would just like, oh, yeah, this is good, I'm vibing. Um, but there's truth to it that is life-changing, and it's life-giving, and God wants us to spread that and, and to find purpose in sharing that with others. And that's why we're here on earth. Um, and so as, as we talk about sanctification, a lot of times we're, we're such like masochists. We like to just, you know, punish ourselves and and I'm not as good as I should be as not as good as I should be. And, and, and we like that feeling. And so we either size ourselves up, either gives us an excuse to not do better, or we just find ourselves in this cycle of trying to do better, to reach a goal that can't be attained. And so what, uh, what we as humans often do is chalk up the Christian life to just goal setting and then achieving or not achieving and then just punishing ourselves. And that's not what God has for us. He wants us to live a God kind of life that he can live in us, through us, and to others. But often that, that, uh, that achievement mentality that we have as humans growing to the next thing and to the next thing gets in the way Of being what God wants you to be. So, that sanctification process where we become more like Jesus then becomes a chore instead of a way of life. And so, we've been talking about that because um, because Jesus' last instructions with the disciples, he's like, hey, look, he's like, there's gonna be times you don't know what to do, you're gonna be scared, I'm gonna leave, and, and you're gonna be on your own. He's like, but if you remain in me and I in you, then things will happen in your life. You'll be able to pray, and and things will transform and change, that you'll change the world, that that you'll be able to love others, and and an expression of who God is will be through you, and it'll transform the world. And that's what he wants, but we've changed it into a list of rules and regulations, and then if you do these, then you're a, a Christian, and if you don't, then you're not. And that's not what God has for us. As a matter of fact, he wants us to thrive in our life in such a way that it is beneficial to everyone around us. Amen. Don't you want to be beneficial to everyone around you? Right. And the, the, the biggest hindrance to that is not you know, um, some faraway government. It's not uh, you know, the government right here. It's not your neighbors. It's not. It's not the hindrance to, to you living that life is not all that stuff. It's just you. You're the hindrance to you living that God kind of life. And so when Jesus says, I want you to be sanctified, I want you to change and transform, it's this process that he will do in you if you'll get out of the way. Amen? Okay. So, I'm going to talk to you about a subject. Uh, I, I could talk for, it depends on how long Dad wants me to preach. He's going fishing uh, in Canada for a week, so I might preach for the rest of the year. Um, he'd be like, you know what, I'm just tired from my July fishing trip. Uh, you know, I think I got some more tacos to get downtown. Why don't you go ahead and preach this week? Um, he, he has all kinds of, kind of excuses. I don't mind talking about Jesus. I, as you found out last week, it's an extreme privilege to talk about Jesus. Uh, but I could talk about this subject for a very long time uh, And so I'm going to start today in a continuation with that sanctification. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, mindset. And so we're going to look in uh, Isaiah 55 and see what the Bible has to say about your mindset and who it is that God wants you to become in this sanctification process. Here it is. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As As the heavens are higher than the earth... So, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to know you, to just be included in what you are doing. Lord, I pray in this place that you would do great things in us, in our hearts, in our minds, and for the the love of all things holy, help us to get out of our own way and become who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, you know, 70 years ago in the 1950s, psychology became a, a more popular thing. Um, it had been around for a long time. People have, philosophers have been trying to figure out the mind and, and people have been shocked, tree- <laughs> Shock treatment to people's heads and all sorts of things. Uh, psychology became a more prevalent thing in that um, it wasn't just reserved for doctors. It was like the common person was beginning to figure out what it was about psychology. And psychology is about, about the mind. But here's the, here's the funny thing about uh, doctors beginning to figure out psychology and the common person figuring out psychology is that God has been talking about your mind and your mentality since the beginning of his word. He has been. If, if you were to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you'd see time and time again God says things like, love the Lord your God with all your mind. He tells Joshua, he says, he says I want you to keep These things in front of your eyes day and night, I want you to talk about them. Teach them to your children. Why? Because what you plug into these kids, what you you keep before your eyes is going to become your mentality. The Israelites are in the desert, and they are going to go take a promised land that is already theirs. It's given to them. God says, just go in there and take it. And uh, 12 people, spies, go in. Two come back and say, we can do it. Ten say, we can't do it. And what do they say? They say, we are grasshoppers in their eyes and in our eyes. Now, I don't think they went over there and had a board meeting with them. It's like, wait, do you guys think we're grasshoppers? Should we come and attack you? They're like, no, you guys are grasshoppers. there like, was none of that. It was, like, it was in their own mentality. And because of that mentality, they missed the promised land and had to stay in the wilderness, die in the wilderness for 40 years, all because of their psychology. Now, God didn't have to like spell things out and do a bunch of science and all of that stuff. All he had to do was figure out the source, and he would, he would just begin to pour into them the source of what needed to happen in their minds, and they would believe God, and over and over, God says... Anything is possible for those believe. If you believe in me, it will be counted to you as right. If you believe, if you believe, if you believe, what is belief? It's you being convinced in your heart, in your mind, that God's, what God says is true, and it transforms everything about your life. Now, in the 1950s to 60s, what happened was, is we had this separation between science and faith. Just kept driving, and people want to stand and go, Well, this is science, it's proven this way, and then, Well, this is faith, we got to steer away from science. What we're finding out more and more, especially as more Christians who are scientists figure out, is that what the Bible says about your mind and who you are and what you are supposed to become is backed up by science, and science is backed up by the Bible. Is there falsities? Yes, there's falsities in science, there is. But the Bible backs it up and talks about it. And So here I want to talk to you a little bit about, about what the Bible says when it comes to your mind. And I want to talk to you about what God wants for your life. And so here it is in Proverbs 23.7. Uh, this is what um, the writer of, of Proverbs, probably Solomon on this one. But he says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's what it says. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So in other words, what you are is not necessarily um, you know, what you, how society sees you. You have a good reputation, it's not who you are. What you do for a living is not who you are. It's as you think in your heart is who you are. Now think about that deeply for a second. What is it that you think about day in and day out? What is it that deep down inside you continually perpetuate over and over and over again? It is you played out in your thoughts again and again and again. As a matter of fact, when when Jesus comes in, he starts walking the earth. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is come near you. Repent, repent for the forgiveness of sins. And we chalk that up to saying you're sorry, but saying you're sorry is not enough. As a matter of fact, um, I have a daughter named Avery. Is she in here? Hi, Avery. How are you she's very very good at low-key jabs okay so like um if you tell her like go wash your hands she walks by judah who's sitting there and hits him in the face so she does okay if if she has to do anything she just she's she's all for just jabbing so this morning she um she had a baton which uh Erica had given to Judah, and Judah's been like using that thing like a a ninja staff, just wah, 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 and he's like, he's playing with his buddies outside. It's it's a metal baton, like, you know, like, da, 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 pink ends on it, okay, pink ends, and they're outside playing Fortnite guns, Nerf guns, all that stuff. Judah comes in and goes, where is my baton? That's how serious it is. So Avery's been carrying around this baton. She walks in. I told Judah, go get your shoes on, Judah. And Avery slaps Judah with the baton. Just straight up jabs him. And I say, that's not okay. And I'm so you can't do that. And the first thing she says is, sorry. Okay? And I say, and most people go, okay, you're sorry. Okay? I don't buy that from Avery anymore because I know Avery. She's a slick little... Devilish, whatever. I say no, not sorry. Why would I say that? I said don't do that again. It's not okay. And so many times, what we associate repentance with is saying you're sorry. I'm so sorry. We associate it with regret. We associate it with this feeling of I I, I did wrong. I feel bad, and so I don't want. I, I just I just it's sickness and guilt and. And what God says, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He doesn't want you to say you're sorry. Because he knows you've got a baton in your hand, you'll probably hit him again. He knows that. Okay? What he wants is, is from repentance is this word metaneo. It's a Greek word. Okay? Metaneo is actually a change of mind. Okay? So when God says, I want you to repent... He's not saying, I want you to just cry your eyes out and really feel bad for what you did. He doesn't want to sit you in time out and go, you think about that. He doesn't want you to just have regret for all of your past mistakes. He wants you to have a change of mind. Now, that sounds a little bit like psychology, Right? It's a mindset that you need to develop. It's a change of mind. And so he says, Repent for the forgiveness of sins. What he's saying is, I want you to change your mindset from you being good enough to me being good for you. I want you to change this this mindset of you having to be good enough to earn my favor to coming to me and letting me live through you. And so when he says, Abide in me. Plant next to me. Get your roots down deep in me. He knows that if you change your mind to this mindset, you'll flourish, you'll prosper, you'll become what you're supposed to become. But most of us are just living in some kind of false repentance where we're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, instead of becoming all that God wants you to be by His power, by His grace. It's metaneo. Repent, change your mind. You've got to transfer, it's a different mindset. And so what is a mindset? Because we use that word a lot, but your mindset is the collection of thoughts that run a program and it becomes how you live. Your mindset is the collection of thoughts. Now, most of these are, are, are developed through your experience. Some of them are traumatic. Some of them are very happy. Whatever it is, some of them are just completely false. And, and, and oftentimes we, uh, we think we know so much, but sometimes we know the wrong thing. You ever known somebody like that? Well, I I know a lot, but people always come to me that, uh, you know, they're like, I I know the Bible. I know what it says, you know, and they they know I'm a pastor and, and I'm not trying to, I wasn't preaching to them or anything. They just, they they come to pick a fight with me for some reason. And I know, I know a lot, you know, and they start talking and, but they know the wrong things. You know what I mean? They don't have first base down. So they're trying to like go out there and la la land. And they miss all of it because they just don't have the very basics, which is repent, change your mind, believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And this becomes our, our life is where we have our mindset. Now, it's a fight for your mindset. Happens when you're little. Happens when you're you know in, in your uh, middle school, adolescent years, high school. And then some people never get out of high school. You, know, you ever hung out with somebody who's like 45 and they're just like, perpetuating 10th grade. You know what I'm talking about? They're just living 10th grade over and over and over again. It's like one of my favorite poets, Brandon Boyd, said, high school never stops. And they're just perpetuating the same thing because they're stuck in the same mindset. But you've got to fight for that mindset. You've got to fight for a set of thoughts that run a program in your life every single day. Now, it's easy to fight an enemy that you can see. Right? You can pinpoint and you go, you're the issue, and so I'm going to fix you. You're the issue. We're not going to do that anymore, so we go to war. Right? This, it's easy to do. If we go back to um, the early part of the, the century, the 1900s, we, we can look at like you know World War I, World War II, Vietnam. We knew the enemy we were fighting. It's very easy to just go, that's the enemy. We're going to send people in, and they are going to fight until we win a victory, right? Now, uh, in the early 80s, what happened is, is we had the war on drugs. How do you fight a war on drugs? What do you, what do, you do? It's like, well, I, I mean, I was in school in the 80s. And the first thing was, is, is, uh, was it Nancy Reagan told us to just say no, right? Just say no. That was one of the first things we did. You weren't fighting against drugs. You were implanting something to fight an enemy ahead of time, right? Just say no. And we had all these drug programs that come in. They had policing increased and and arrests and and all of these things, the war on drugs. And then after 9-11, it was the war on terror. How do you fight terror? Terror is actually an emotion, the war on terror. And you begin fighting these these cells of people that you can't even see. They just show up with a bomb strapped to them, and, and boom, and everything. Wow! The war on terror. It's, it's crazy to think about. It's, it, it'd be like going into battle with a blindfold on, knowing there's a fight to fight, but you're not sure even what to do. You're not sure even, even who the enemy is. You just have a blindfold on, and, and stuff just begins attacking you. And that's the way it is. In this fight for our minds, in this fight for our lives, in this fight against the enemy of our souls, Satan, who continually wants to fight against us. And many of us are pointing to an old thing. We're pointing to an enemy that we thought we could see, and it's not the enemy, it's actually an invisible enemy. And so when Paul says... We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, powers and wickedness in high places, and it's just out there, and and, and what are we supposed to do? We have no idea, and most of us are living a life day in and day out, trying to figure out a mindset for fighting, but we don't know how to fight. We don't have a mindset for the truth and what God wants to have happen. We have a mindset for battling in the old ways. And so what God says, he says, I want you to change your mind. Metaneo. Into what? Into Jesus' thoughts. Into who Jesus is. And so what, what happens is, and, and Jesus talked about this. I, talked, I said this is one thing my dad taught me. But uh, Matthew 12, it says this. <coughs> Matthew 12. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil... Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, that's the King James Version, so there's a few thys and thous. So it says this. It says that uh, from the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. A good man brings out good things because his heart is full of good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. And I talked about this little past, pastor's little finger, remember this last week? And he said, your tongue is unruly, but it will, it will tell you what's in your heart. And out, what comes out of your mouth is because of what you have stored up in your heart. And then Jesus says this, For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. So words are not the issue. They can be either or. It's how your words are used that define who you are and the outcome you will have. Think about that. Right? I can say dope, and it can mean two different things, right? As a matter of fact, you can say stupid, and it means, I, I remember, I, I, I texted your brother one time, and he was doing something awesome, and I was like, that's stupid. And he's like, excuse me? <laughs> you know what I meant? I was like, oh, man, I, like, I mean, that's really cool, right? right? You, ever, you ever seen something like, you, know, like, you just see like, an amazing thing, like Michael Jordan, you know, just incredible ball player, he's just, he's just the GOAT, and you're like, man, that is so dumb, he's just so dumb. Does it mean he's not smart? No, he's like, that's ridiculous. What does ridiculous mean? It means stupid or good. Words are not the issue, it's the intention. It's it's what comes from your heart. He says, and a good man will bring forth good things out of the treasure that is stored. And so this is what I want to tell you a little bit about what the Bible says. It's trying to express this. Actions are formed by words. And I think I have it up here. You can write it down. Your actions are formed by words. Your words are formed by thoughts, and your thoughts are formed by deposits. Think about that. Your actions, what you do is formed by your words. Now, most of you don't, don't really get to this, but, but your actions, what you do on a regular basis, are formed by the words that you speak. Like, I never said that. No, you've been saying it to yourself over and over and over and over and over again. You wake up in the morning, what do you say to yourself? When you're driving down the, the, the car by yourself... What do you say? What do you talk about? Now, I, I, I talk to myself a lot, and don't tell me you don't either. Okay? You do. You talk to yourself. You ever see like, hey, who, who are you talking to? And you're like, uh, I'm, oh, just, uh, you know. One time I was talking to myself. I was walking down the sidewalk. My wife was in the car with her, with her aunt. She's like, well, who are you talking to? I was like, oh, just working on a sermon. <laughs> okay? like, I was literally I was, I was presenting an argument. Um, but, you know, like, it was, it was crazy. She saw it firsthand, and I was like, I'm, I'm really not crazy. I just, what your actions are formed by your words. The things that you do are not decided in a moment. If you had an affair, you just didn't walk into an affair and be like, oh, whoops. Your words established it. If you're a person who has become a liar, you've thought about that ahead of time. If you're a person who has created things in your life that you're not happy of, that you do not want to do? You have thought about them, and they became words that you spoke over and over in a dialogue, and they became your actions. Now these things were pretty, were pretty good about. But here is is the, the last thing on the list is what you put in the deposits into your heart and in your mind are what form your thoughts, the deposits. And sometimes you have to have. The deposits are actions and words and thoughts depositing. This, this list goes back and forth. It goes back and forth. What are you depositing in? Sometimes it's what you listen to. So, what, uh, The first thing in, in the book of Joshua, God says to Joshua, as, you, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. That's good news. He says, I want you to think about that every single day. Be strong and very courageous because I will be with you wherever you go. Think about that every single day. He says, I want you to say that. He says, say that every single day. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. So Joshua's job is to get up in the morning and go, as God was with Moses, he's with me. And as a matter of fact, I think that what God was saying is like, I want you to say that to people who may not quite understand it. So, and somebody comes to Joshua and Joshua is like, I don't, I don't know. I don't like this. I think you're doing the wrong thing. What Joshua was required then to say was, as Moses, as God was with Moses, God is with me. What did you just say? You egotistical son of a, right? Think about this. Abraham. Abraham name wasn't always Abraham. It was actually Abram. Abram means, uh, I forget exactly, I think it's like prince or something like that. Okay, it's not that much of a difference. He put an H in the middle, Abraham, just one H and put two A's, right? Separated out of ham. It's crazy because H is five and five is the number of grace. And it's crazy to think about that God put grace right in the middle of his name. He says, now, from now on, everybody you meet, I want them to call you Abraham. Not just Prince, not just, you know, hey, Abram. He says, I want them to call you Abraham. What does Abraham mean? It means father of many nations. Now, Abram's 75 years old and into 100. He doesn't have any children, and everybody has to call him father now. It'd be like me walking around and going, you know what? I'm going to become a billionaire. When you see me, you call me Billionaire Brandon. Right? You think, like, hey, billionaire Brandon. Sometimes you walk up and you go, hey, Brandon. I'm like, what? okay, sorry, billionaire Brandon. Right, and you know I'm not a billionaire. It's obvious, right? But I make you call me by what it is that I'm going to program my mindset with, right? My son, I call him Man of God all the time. I don't say you're going to become a man of God. I don't say this is the way men of God act. You're not acting like a man of God. Here's what I say you're a man of God and this is how we're, you are going to act. Okay? I figured that out from a guy named uh, Adrian Roberson. Now, he's this, uh, he's this man, a very dear friend of mine. Uh, the first time I met him, he hugged me. He walked right up to me and hugged me. And I'm like, hey, what's up? You know? And I'm, I'm a church guy, so it was okay. I, I hugged him back. He said, I want you to come. Your band to come play at a thing in my church. And I said, okay. And since that day, every time he saw me, he called me man of God. Hey, man of God. Hey, man of God. And at that time in my life, I thought it meant that a man of God was a pastor. And I said, like, does he know that I'm not a pastor? I'm just, you know, whatever. And I found out that he calls every person he sees man of God. Why? Because your deposits transfer your thoughts into words and then actions. Right? What you call your children matters. What you call your spouse matters because every time you say it, it's a deposit. Right? What you call the situation in front of you, is it a problem or is it an opportunity? It matters. Is it going to end you or is it going to be a miracle? That matters. Everything matters because it is programming you into a certain mindset. And most of us have so many files tucked away in our mentality that we're not willing to part with, that we are not willing to change our mind, that we have become people with the wrong deposit and so we continually have the wrong actions and we keep going back to the action going, change that, change that, change that, change that. Instead, you gotta look at yourself in the mirror and say, man of God, man of God man of God. And I bet you can't say it very long before you just break down and go, that's really who I am. Woman of God. It's a mindset shift. And so, as you study, psychologists figure out all sorts of trauma. It used to be like we thought people coming home from war and really violent actions and and would have trauma. But trauma is all these things that line up in your life that create mindset, that bring triggers like for instance you had an abusive dad and he comes home and he beats you and so every time you know you're kind of on the guard and then you become abusive you know like you you have these these actually times of day that things happen in your life like every day your dad came home at five and you knew it was going to be a terrible so you just kind of tightened up and and hold up, psychologists are finding out that that same thing is happening to you at 5 p.m. every day. Your body has been trained like a natural clock to tighten up and and to shut down, and that's what you do every single day. These traumas are happening. It's because you have not reprogrammed your mindset to the rule of God. You're fighting a battle that you can't even see. You don't even know what the problem is. You're blindfolded, like fighting the war on terror. You have no idea what to do. And so the Bible gives us very clear instruction. In Philippians, one of the first verses that we learned um, as, as little kids, in, in Philippians 4.8, give me the NIV if you had that version. It says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about th- such things. In other words, Paul goes, hey, think about these things. And then he goes, true, noble, right." Pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, and excellent. It's wrapped up in a bunch of language, but that's what the fight is. He's like, you got to begin to think about this. And even if we only thought about this one, think about what is true. Think about what is true. Just pick one thing. How about this one? Jesus loves me, this I know. How many people, with the show of hands, fight that every single day? The rest of you guys are just, Jesus is just taking out. Because that's the number one thing that anyone, what is true? And God, in his word, is beginning to lay things out over and over and over again, so that they are truth. They're absolute truth. Truth. And so many of us go from the next thing to the next thing, trying to find a truth that fits our situation. And God goes, I'll show you some truth. That God will always lead you into triumph. What? I think I don't think I'm going to win ever. No, what is true is God always leads us into triumph because he has the victory. Fear not because I've overcome the world. Keep your mind on me and I'll keep you in perfect peace. Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. These are the truths that we need to focus on a regular basis, but we don't because we're believing a lie and the enemy is having a heyday with you because he just fires fiery darts of the wicked and just slaughters you and you're fighting against a battle that you cannot see. The Bible says that the enemy rolls, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. And the guess what? Most humans are people that he can devour. And he is just trying to. And, and you are trying to fight against the enemy rather than program your mind as a fortress. And so the first thing that God says to put on is put on the helmet of salvation. What is salvation? It is deliverance. And I put that on my head, and now my mind is protected by the deliverance of God. But if you want to take it off and just begin to process and deposit all sorts of things and thoughts and words and actions that are not true, noble, pure, any of those things, you will lose the battle. You'll lose the battle, but you've got to program yourself. And so, really quickly, this is what Philippians says. <clears throat> Or not Philippians. I just did Philippians. It's Isaiah 55. It says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. And then uh, 55, 10. We'll start with 10. It says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, I don't know how we got KJV on that, but "but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth bud, that it may give the seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word... Be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Okay. He says, he starts off and he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. They're so far separate from each other. They're like the heavens and the earth. You can't see the heavens, but you can see the earth. I mean, it's just that far away. And it's like, he's like, that's the way I think and you think. Okay. And so you think, number one thing, like people, people come to me and they're like, hey, can we sit down and have coffee? And I'm like, yeah, I have coffee. And they sit down. The first thing they say, almost 100% of the time, I've been thinking. And I want to just say, okay, let's start with the source. Who's, who's giving you those thoughts? What kind of thoughts are you depositing? And so God says, my thoughts, your thoughts. So different. And then he goes, rain, snow, everything coming down. He says, when, when rain comes down, it gives forth produce. It gives forth nourishment. It gives forth growth. And he says, so is my word. It goes from my mouth and then, check this out. It doesn't return to me void. In other words, if I send it out to do it, it's going to do it. Some of you have more belief in the maintenance man that comes by and doesn't do the right job. Like, I paid for this and you're going to do it right. Right? Right? Somebody messes up your car. I paid for this and you messed up my brakes. You're going you're gonna to make good on your word. We hold Joe Plummer to a higher standard than God. That God said it, he'll make good on it. When's the last time you looked in something that God said? Just I Take the one I just said a little bit ago. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Who always leads us in victory. Always, always, always. And we look at our situations on a daily basis and we don't hold God to his word that doesn't return to him void. If he were to tell you, you know what, I'll make you triumph. And we analyze and nitpick every single thing. Why? Because we're thinking our thoughts and not God's thoughts. On a regular basis. This has to change. So what do we do? We have to change. We have to do the opposite of what is natural. Natural. If we know that my thoughts are so far different from God's thoughts, if we know that faith is so much different, from, we have to be able to recognize that I'm walking in doubt, be able to recognize that I'm walking in in my ignorant thoughts every single day, and they are either God's thoughts or my thoughts. That's it. So this is what Philippians uh, 4 says in the message. I like this version. Because it explains things a little bit. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. What this one, the best and not the worst, the beautiful and not the ugly, things to praise and not things to curse. Stop right there. You'll do your best by filling your minds with the best not the worst the best when's the last time you walked into your house and just pointed out the best this is my favorite thing (laughs) you're my favorite kid (laughs) when's the last time you walked into work and pointed out the best not the worst well you don't understand my job is I manage people I got a go in and find out who's doing wrong and then get them shined up so they ship-shape and everything's doing good. But you'll do your best to fill your mind, meditate, think about the best, not the worst. But this one? The beautiful and not the ugly. The worst times of my life, you know what I did? Yes, that I was going to California for a vacation. It wasn't. I went to California to reprogram my mind. I had to. I had to because my mind was, every day was bombarded by things that were. wrong. So I'd look at a surfer and I wouldn't go, oh, he got up or he fell off or I could do better than that or whatever. I would just go, see the way he looks at the ocean. That's beautiful. I never had a plant in my life. Actually I did, I think I had one, I killed it. Put a plant in my house, boom. Every day I would talk to it. Man, it's just growing. You're growing so big. Change. I used to just be frustrated my kids all the time. So instead, I started started transferring the way I looked at them. Changing what I saw that they did. Do I I even notice the things that they did, or I just point to the things that they didn't do? I started to look at myself and I said every day going, this isn't good. This is terrible. You're this, Brandon. And this is the hardest part because you're always hardest on yourself. And begin to look at myself. I started drinking more coffee. And I would go down to the coffee shop and I would buy myself a latte every single day. In a world where everybody just goes, don't spend money on that. That's stupid. I would buy a coffee and say, Brandon, I love you. You're doing a great job so the trauma that happens in people's lives they associate one thing forever I put a new program in it so now every time I don't even have to say it every time I drink a coffee it's like I tell myself I love you you're doing a good job it was a new program everything we do can either be the best or the worst leave that one up there The beautiful and not the ugly. Things to praise and not to curse. When's the last time you praised something? Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. You have got to be a person who programs your heart, your mind, your life with what is true in the word of God. If you do not, the world will program you every single second of every single day. And these last three months have shown us that over and over and over again. It is a fight and you don't even know it. You're fighting blind in a war for your mind and no one's told you go. They haven't hit the bell. I watched Rocky and Mr. T duke it out last night and I was like, my God. Clubber Lang is the baddest boxer in the whole entire planet. But then Rocky started fighting a different fight. He let him just hit him. Just hit me. Go ahead. Is that all you got? And he started taunting him. Come on. Come on. And he would just take every punch. And Clubber just gave every single swing he had until he swung once and his punches were no good anymore. Because all of a sudden, Rocky realized that he had worn Clubber Lang out. And he just began to bob. He didn't even swing. It was like he was in the Matrix and he could see things that nobody else could see. He could see his enemy, and Clubber didn't know that he was fighting a different fight now. And Rocky just begins to own on him. Because Rocky was focusing on what was true, what was noble, what was good, the best and not the worst. Things to praise, not to curse. And it's funny, because everybody on the outside of the ring didn't get what Rocky was doing. What are you doing? What are you doing? They come back, you gotta gotta quit, you gotta throw in the towel, it's over, there's no way. Just give me time, fighting a battle that no one can see. It's your mindset. And it can be different if you program it. Will it be hard? maybe sometimes doing the opposite of what feels natural it's tough but it will transfer you move you to a new place of living in the metaneo believe for the forgiveness of sins instead of kicking your own butt every single day you bow your heads and close your eyes this is just my introduction to mindset. I can talk about mindset for a long time. Honestly, when I used to hear this, people would say all sorts of things about mindset and psychology and stuff when I was growing up. So I thought it was not biblical. And then I actually read the Bible. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is all what God is talking about. The most powerful supercomputer on the planet is in between your two ears. Think about that. It has created steam engines. It has, it has invented flight. It has developed computers. It's all between two years. It has created champions and heroes. It has done incredible things. And you have that. God, put it in your brain to either be a person of blessing person of cursing just little bits maybe some things need some tweaking today has got to change you walk out here it's got to change your mind has got to change and it changes by the words you say it changes by the deposits that you make it changes by the thoughts you think it's time to make a switch woman of God man of God forgiven and free always triumphing. God is moving in your midst and doing great and mighty things among you. Don't miss out because you're fighting against yourself. Father, I thank you for my friends in this room. They are the most wonderful blessing everywhere they go. Their smile lights up the room. But the glory that's on their life permeates darkness like a sweet-smelling perfume. The light of Jesus Christ is alive in them shining forth into the darkest night. Lord, do more in us than we ever thought imaginable and start with our minds. Help us to reprogram, to take it seriously. We got a lot of homework to do, God. We realize that it's going to take some work, but it is what you've called us to to be people of God everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and honor for calling us, for doing great and mighty things in our midst, for letting us join you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big praise today. Come on.